Everybody join me and say, the journey. If you're not committed to a journey, you will end up discouraged thinking that you already made it and you'll be sad when you realize not quite there yet. We're on our way in Jesus' name. All right. I'm watching online with you and uh, have it open on my phone and I'm doing something a little different. We are more, uh, I think a little bit more attuned to this online process than we were at the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I just want to thank you all for watching and for communicating. If you're on Facebook, you see a wonderful update there by Elder Heyman. And uh, I appreciate everybody just commenting and showing us your heart and your mind and your response. Praise God. All right, just a short message. I want everybody to just lock in, tune in with me. I have a picture I want to show you in just a minute. I want to show you a picture. This goes to your marine life hobbyist enthusiasts, all those who might like marine life. I have something I'd like to show you. So watch, watch close. It's going to change the screen in just a minute. Exodus 13, 18 says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. See that? God led them out of the land of Egypt. That is synonymous with the fact that you and I are in a place that has got to be abandoned. And that is any relationship with our personal 2020 Egypt. I want to help with that in Jesus' name in just a few moments. But God, like that song says, He led us by the hand. He's taken us and He's carried us, praise God, even through the Red Sea. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and the path in the mighty waters. That's what, that's what your God. Come on, somebody, say, that's my God. That's not just your God, Pastor Haman. No, that's my God, and he does it. Here is, here's a, another verse in the same chapter, Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing, I will, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God will make a way. Everybody say, God will make a way. I know the Lord will make a way for me. That's an old song. but A lot of y'all might remember that. Some of you don't. I know the Lord will make a way. You know, our modern version of that is way maker. Same words, same spirit. But we serve a God, I believe, who relishes making a way for his people. I'm going to read it again. He says, I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. Thank God for being our way maker. Now, let me jump out of Exodus for a moment and get straight into the heart of today's message. So watch this. I'm going for the jugular. Pardon me, all of you medical practitioners. But I'm going straight to the core. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Say it with me. God is faithful. 
No temptation has come upon you that's like, whoa, this has never happened to anybody. Now, raise your hand if you've ever had something happen to you and you feel like you're the only one that's ever been through this. Pretty much all of us. I put my glasses on and I can see. Thank you all, all of you people watching in your homes for raising your hand. I wish my glasses would let me see you. You're like, thank God you can't see me because I'm eating popcorn right now. Oh, I don't know what you're doing. I'm glad you're watching. Watch this. Please don't, don't lose track of this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you. God is faithful. Who will? Watch this. Here's, here's why he's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. This whole verse should make us breathe a sigh of relief. Thank you, Lord, for not making me go through something that, that is weird, unusual, strange, but it is something that is common to man. And if it's common to man, God is faithful. And he, like he has for others, he will be faithful to me. And he will not allow, let's put, make it personal now, he will not allow me to be tempted. Would you say it with me? He will not allow me to be tempted. Oh, come on. He will not allow me to be tempted but he will also make the way. Woo! Did somebody say something about a way maker? Did somebody say something about, I know the Lord will make a way? With the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Twice the word able is in that verse. And that word able reminds us of the plimsoll line on the hull of a ship. Plimsoll. Plimsoll. Can I show you a picture of a plimsoll line? Watch this. A plimsoll line is a reference mark located on a ship's hull that indicates the maximum. Oh, now, if you're not paying attention, I'm going to give you a second to get right back on track here. This is so urgent that you catch this part right here. A plimsoll mark on the hull of a ship is a line referencing that ship's maximum depth to which that vessel may be safely immersed when loaded down with cargo. That depth, the plimsoll line, varies with the ship's dimensions. It varies with the type of cargo. It varies with the time of year. It varies with the water densities encountered in the port and at sea. Once those factors have all been accounted for, a ship's captain can determine the appropriate plimsoll line needed for the voyage. And church, we serve a God who knows your ship's plimsoll line. He knows how much you are able to bear. Some of us can bear more than others. And some of us are going through things that, that others are not going through. We all have our own sea to go through. We all have our own conditions of circumstances. We all have our own weather to deal with. We all have our own depths that we're all in. And folks, can I tell you, we serve a God who is very well aware of exactly where you are. He knows your plimsoll line because he knows that you are able to bear certain things that maybe I couldn't bear. And he knows about things that I could bear that you can't bear. He's a God who is the ultimate mariner when it comes to that concept of saying, stop. No more cargo. No more stress. No more pain. That's all. That's all he can bear. That's all she can bear. 
Would you just lift your hands and say, God, thank you for being the one who knows when I need to have a break and knowing when I have got to call it the limit. And Lord, if today's not the limit, help me, God, to trust you to know the limit. He knows what I'm able to bear. He knows what I'm able to bear. On that picture, you see there's a, there's a, a little thing that's called a, 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 the, 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 the reference points. There's the tropical freshwater. There's the tropical. There's the freshwater. There's the summer. There's the winter. There's the winter North Atlantic. All these letters are letters that help the cargo loading team to know that the load is maximized, maxed out, or if there's still room for more. We get that from Samuel Plimsoll, who lived in 1824 to 1898. He was a member of the British Parliament. He was concerned with the loss of ships and crews due to vessel overloading. In 1876, he persuaded Parliament to pass the Unseaworthy Ships Bill. Isn't that interesting? Unseaworthy Ships Bill, which mandated marking a ship's sides with a line that would disappear below the waterline if the ship was overloaded. The line, also known as the Plimsoll Mark, is found midship on both the port and the starboard hulls of, a cargo, of cargo vessels and is used worldwide by the shipping industry. I'm so glad God knows my able to or able not to. We are missing Brother Barry Kimball today. Had a beautiful memorial service for him on Friday. He will be so missed by this church family. And we pray today for his dear wife and daughter. We pray that God would not put more on them than they can bear at a time like this with the loss of Brother Barry. And I even pray for myself, Lord, how much more can we bear with all that's going on in our world? But God says, I will not allow you to go through that which is more than you can bear. I know the line, and I'll stop the load. I'll make sure that nothing else gets on board. Your life, if it's too much for you. Can I just have you join me right now with faith in God that he's the one who really knows your own invisible point of maxing out? He knows your own invisible point of enough. And we've got to trust him to know when we have reached the maximum. Moreover, brethren, I want to rewind now real quick. Let's rewind to the context of that verse we just read. We're going to go back to read about why we even have the verse in our Bible that says, No temptation has overtaken you, but God is faithful. And will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Plimsoll line. But he will help you with the temptation to get a way of escape. To get out of it. That you may be able to bear it. Air it uh, able to bear it. Thank God he knows what I can and what I cannot bear. Alright, so here's the context. Moreover, brethren, in the earlier verses. I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. See, this is the Exodus story now. This is the history of God's people coming out of Egypt. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that our fathers went through this stuff. They went under the cloud. 
That, that, that means the cloud of God's presence and His glory. All pass through the sea. That, that God's guidance and, and God's, God's opening of a way right there in that first verse. And look at verse number 2. It says, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all had a new identity. They stopped being Egyptians and they became God's people following God's prophet Moses. And they began to be freshly identified by, by walking through the Red Sea with Moses. Now folks, you and I know that we are identified with Jesus Christ when we don't we don't walk through a sea. No. But you know what we do? We go into a watery baptism, a grave of our old lives and we're baptized body and we're baptized by spirit in the water in Jesus name and by the Holy Ghost and we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is how we take on our brand new identity walking out of Egypt. All were baptized into Moses. And I want to say, God, help me to be sure that I am part of the, those who are baptized in Jesus' name. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you take on a brand new destination. No longer are you just living for Egypt. No longer are you at home in Egypt. But now you're headed out into the promised land as your destination. Now, now, now what, watch this. I want you to notice how many times the word all occurs. It says all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. They drank that rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. Now, praise God for all of them, right? What, what, what do I mean? There must have been 2 million. They say 600,000 men walked out of Egypt. We preached about it last week, remember? They had blood. The blood of the Lamb gave them freedom from death. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood of the cross. We plead the blood today, and it gives us freedom from the second death. That's a little reminder of last week's lesson. And then they walked through the Red Sea that God had miraculously opened up. Now, 600,000 of them, there must have been a bunch of them married, a bunch of them with parents, a bunch of them with kids. The estimation is over 2 million people walked out of Egypt at the same time. All of them walked out of Egypt. Now, I'm using the word all for a reason. It says they all had the same experience. They all got baptized. They all drank of the rock which was Christ. They all had incredible, miraculous experiences. They all had the Holy Ghost guiding them. The Spirit of God in the cloud was guiding them. Wouldn't you think that we could say they all made it? But you know how many adults out of that two million person crowd made it into the promised land? Dos solamente. Seriously, only two made it. What? They all had every opportunity. They all had the same power. They all had the same baptism. They all had the same new identity. They all walked away from Egypt and they all had the same destination. But only two adults, everybody aged 20 and under, they made it in. But those who were 21 and up, besides Joshua and Caleb, all perished in the wilderness. Incredible story that blows my mind. It is incredible that that, that, that tiny 
little group, if you compare, it had to have been just a small fraction, maybe a quarter of them. If you count up all the kids under 20, and Joshua and Caleb, the only two who made it into the promised land. It is shocking that so many missed the opportunity. It sounds like Jesus' multitudes, doesn't it? And then they dwindled down. 500 witnessed his resurrection. And then 120 were in the upper room. Where did everybody else go? So we have these stories to be more than just a story. They're to be something that pokes you in the back. <laughs> They're to be something that lights a fire under you and says, I'm not going to be statistic. I'm not going to be left out. I'm not going to be, I know it's kind of likely because look at those statistics, but I'm not going to be left out. I wish everybody watching online right now would make a decision that I am not going to be a statistic, but I am going to make it into the promised land. I'm going to make it all the way, and heaven is my destination, and nothing can keep me out. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm not going to let anything make me hindered and, and, and get distracted and derailed. Watch, watch, it says, but with most of them, all of those 2 million people, with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. So, so you, how many fingers do you have on one hand? Hopefully you have five. Okay? Okay, now I want you to just add these things up. Ready? Thumb up first, lust. They should not lust after evil things. N number two, watch this. Don't become idolaters, number two. Don't become idolaters. People sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. Number three, don't let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And one day, 23,000 died. Ready? Another finger. Nor let us tempt Christ. You got that? How many fingers you got up? Four. And then number five, nor complain. How we doing? Is everybody on track? We got five things That stopped nearly 2 million people from making it into the promised land. God Almighty. Oh my, I, wish, I just wonder if we could stop the people coming out of Egypt and say, there's five things that are going to take you down. Don't let any of them happen to you. And I say as we're coming out of the pandemic and as we're coming out of this time of stupid quarantine and shutting everything down, economies closed, and we're coming out of this whole situation where I even feel the devil would love to stomp down our spirituality and a bunch of us are rising up and saying we're not going to be a part of those who are, who are going to cower and, and, and end up fading away and shriveling in our faith where we're going to grow in the Lord. We're going to be a part of this exodus. It's a spiritual exodus out of a spiritual warfare in Jesus' name. And if you're going to join us and you want to be a part, I've got to tell you, there are at least these five important things that we have history for to help us not to make the same mistakes they did. Five things. It says, all these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's you and me. The ends of the ages have come upon us. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. See the people running out of Egypt? They're like, woohoo, we're going to the promised land. There's Egypt. I can still smell the smoke of Egypt, and I can still hear the cries of all the parents whose 
firstborn died. But you know what? I'm going to be, and I'm, I'm going to make it all the way. Woohoo! Man, it's easy to say that when you've taken a few steps out of Egypt. Be careful. You think you're going? Take heed. If you think you're really a strong, standing, apostolic, Pentecostal Christian, take heed. Take heed. Just because you went down under doesn't mean you're an automatic overcomer. Okay? <laughs> Sadly, the history of Israel records that those who went down under were not overcomers. Rather, they were overthrown, the Bible says. Overthrown. So it's a sad story. Now, 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 to be baptized down under, an overcomer must be committed to pleasing God. That's what this whole scripture just said above us. We just read. Okay, can I, can I say that again? To be baptized down under, an overcomer must be committed to pleasing God. If you want to be a baptized down under overcomer, you've got to understand and appreciate historical examples. If you want to be a baptized down under overcomer, you got to heed, be a heed taker. <laughs> Take heed lest you fall. You want to be a baptized down under overcomer, you got to be aware that God is the way maker. He and his, his most powerful and essential attributes are the making of a way for people who were in the middle of trouble, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of the sea, wherever they may be, they can say, I've never been here before. How do I get out of this? I got a good, I got a good message for anybody right now that feels like that you might be in a place you've never been before and you don't know your way out. Can I tell you that God is a powerful way-making God and he loves making a way. The Bible says he will with the temptation five things five things he'll make a way so if I were you I think I'd say okay pastor leave me out of this mess okay I can't do it but I'm gonna let the Holy Ghost help us I'm gonna let the word of the Lord help us number one we got to escape lust how do we do it number two we got to escape idolatry how do we do it number three we got to escape sexual promiscuity Number four, we must escape self-serving Christianity. And number five, we must escape discontent. All right? Now, I'm going to spend 45 minutes on each one of those. So aren't you glad you're at home in your slippers? Kidding. Not going to spend that much time. But let's just, let's just follow along. I'm here to tell you that God wants you to be baptized in the water and in the spirit in order to be truly an overcomer. But just because you went down under doesn't mean you're automatically going to be an overcomer. Oh, just because they ran out of Egypt and they had the blood on the doorpost and just because they went through the sea doesn't mean they automatically were going to go sweeping into the promised land. God had a plan to filter the faithful from the unfaithful. How many of you want to be able to say, I passed the test. I didn't let the filter stop me in Jesus' name. Number one, escaping lust. I was just thinking about this that, this past week. How, how, how can we be people who, who escape lust? Okay, I'm glad you asked. 
I'm glad you asked. And, and I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us the Spirit helps our infirmities. And when you and I are tested, you better have the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost will help your weakness. All right? That goes for all five of these areas of examples. But the first one, escaping lust. And here's what I started realizing in my meditation the last few days. That I can ask myself, am I free of lust? Am I free of it? Has it... Is it something that I have truly kicked the habit and I've truly gotten rid of it and it's not in my life anymore? I got a quick little test for you. You ready? I want everybody to run this test on your life to see if you are free of lust. Just simply ask, if I miss it, will I miss it? Pray about that. Think about that. If I miss it? Will I miss it? In other words, if I don't happen to see, experience, get, acquire, if I don't happen to enjoy, if I don't happen to partake, will I miss it? If you could say I won't miss it, that's a pretty good sign. You're lust free. But if you're someone who just says, I don't know, I'm going to miss that so bad and I can't do without it. It is a desire that is burning in my spirit. Probably you're someone who is still needing to conquer lust. The scripture says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it goes on to say the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Drop, kick, lust out of your life by the Holy Ghost. Tell it, no more. Number two, are we escaping idolatry? I pray in Jesus' name we escape lust. If you don't escape lust, it's not God's fault because he makes a way. Now, if you don't escape idolatry, it's your fault, not God's fault, because he makes a way. Oh, careful now. Y'all like, waymaker, miracle worker, promise. Careful. Don't sing that song if you're not willing to let God really be a waymaker. Because you may say, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, no, I couldn't help. Oh, see, the Lord makes a way. It's up to you to walk through that way. Y'all got me? Praise God. Are you, I hope everybody's tracking with the word of the Lord today. Are you escaping idolatry? If you're not, let me help you with that, okay? Let me ask you this. Just ask this question. Does this mean more to me than God means to me? All right, I mean, what? This what? Um, a football. Okay? A motorcycle. A, a hobbit. A, a, a hobby. A drink. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Do I hear San Pellegrino, anyone? With lime. Is that an idol? How do I know? Does it mean more to me than God means to me? You just got to ask yourself. Because God will tolerate no rivals. Does it mean more to me than God's house? Oh, pastor, it's just, you know... 
just just to play just to play play time. It's just a pastime. It's just a, you know, just I had to get up here and, and and get my hook wet in the stream, you know. And I, I do it about every Sunday now. And yeah, I mean, I miss church. Yeah, but I mean, you no, know, nobody's really having church. Yes, we are having church. Does it mean more to me than God's word? Does it mean more to me than God's spirit? Does it mean more to me than being in God's presence? If you can say any of those things are a problem, then you are probably someone who has not yet escaped idolatry. As a matter of fact, I'd like to just run you through an x-ray today. Would y'all be willing to put an x-ray gown on and let's, let's, let's x-ray ourselves today? I have some questions to help you put the spotlight on patterns that will reveal if you are an idol worshiper. Because God will tolerate no idol worshipers. That's why the majority missed out on the promised land. They went out with a high hand. They went out harnessed, the Bible says. They went out with so much vigor and life and wealth. But it dissipated in the wilderness. They didn't pass the test. God would have allowed them. And he made a way for them to escape lust and idolatry. But they chose lust, and idolatry anyway. Let's not choose idolatry. Here, here we go. Watch this. Here's your x-ray. What do you organize your life around? What do you want, crave, or wish for? What do you obsess over? What preoccupies your brain? What are you willing to sacrifice a huge amount of time and effort and energy in order to get it? What do you fear losing? That's a, that's a short, easy one, isn't it? What do you fear losing? What do you rejoice over? Amen. If you're going to wave a flag today, what would it be? What would it be a flag with, a, with a, maybe the, the Jeep logo on it? Or maybe a flag with a with a with a uh, with a state park over it, or or a flag with a with a with a, a hobby. Uh, maybe maybe a flag with Cabela's on it. <laughs> I know I'm talking to, talking from a guy's perspective. This I know you ladies can think of your own stuff here. What do you rejoice over? What would bring you the greatest pain if it was no longer there? What is your worst nightmare? What makes you angry or frustrated? Who, real or imagined, can make your world better, safer, more satisfying based on your present values? Those are a few x-ray questions you can start asking. And we Americans struggle and squirm in our seats the most when we start talking about things that rival God because I don't believe there's ever been a day when there are so many pleasures and so many distractions and so much tinsel and so much smoke and mirrors if you will so much magic and and the glimmer of more and this and that and the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and a holiday here and a vacation there and and, and being out of church 
all the time regularly and getting comfortable with being away from God's presence and God's spirit because I'm pursuing these things. They are your idols, friends. And if I were you, I think I'd say, God, wake me up on this Sunday morning and I refuse to be an idol worshiper any longer in Jesus' name. I will not be someone who is taken down and, 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 and exited from the plan of God. I don't want to let my opportunities dwindle. We have something so much more powerful, so much, something so much better, something so much more worthy to be idolized, if you will, and that is God's spirit. I'm glad to call it my treasure. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? It's a treasure in this pot of clay, this earthen vessel. I thank God for the excellence of the power of God that is in me. And it's not me and my body, but it's in me. It's the Spirit of God in me. I value, I cherish that Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God be that which, as God's power and identity, you really worship and you give God thanks for you cherish and you, uh, you protect it and you feed it. That's how you escape idolatry. How do we escape sexual promiscuity? All right. I asked myself that question when I was, when I was studying, and, and my first answer is the answer I'm going to give you. Ready? How do you escape sexual promiscuity? Get and stay wisely married talking to you pastorally at the moment get and stay wisely married have no secrets between you and your spouse and it's either marriage or accepting the gift of singlehood and staying faithful to God and God alone you can read all about that in 1 Corinthians 7 1 Corinthians 7, 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, the Apostle Paul says he has the gift. And he wishes everybody else had the gift to remain unmarried. And if, that, if you have that gift, God bless you. And just be faithful to God. Don't let anything, don't let anything spoil and anything sully your experience and your ability to walk into heaven. Don't let anything stop you from going up in the rapture. Don't let anything keep your mind pulled down towards the earth when you should constantly be setting your affection on things above. I hope you're escaping sexual promiscuity. Number four, escaping self-serving Christianity. Now, where in the world do I get that? Well, if you look carefully, he said they tempted Christ. You remember us reading that? We read that up a little higher. I'm going to read it to you again. It says... Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents. So, we got to escape lust, God help us. we got to escape idolatry in Jesus' name. We must escape sexual promiscuity. Number four, we must escape tempting Christ. Okay? Now, what does that really mean? Because some of y'all are like, whoo, we're almost done. We're on number four. But... Number four is tempting Christ. Well, I ain't got no problem with that. I see how many of us already thought that. Tempting Christ. I haven't tempted, tempted Christ ever. Well, hold on just a minute. Let me ask you. Have you really ever 
ask the Lord to serve you instead of you serving him. See, that's what they did in the wilderness. They wanted God to be their ultimate butler, baker, candlestick maker, and their Santa Claus. They wanted him to provide a buffet. They wanted him to give them stuff in the flesh, stuff that would fill their bellies and make them feel better. They tempted him. So basically, it's exploiting his goodness and dismissing our good sense in favor of foolishly expecting his miracle power to save us. Now, that was a huge little sentence I just said, so I'm going to say it one more time. It is us dismissing our good sense in favor of foolishly expecting his miracle power to save us. Woo! Look what he did. He brought us out of, the, out of Egypt. Look at all the... Ten amazing plagues. And look at the Red Sea that opened before us. Why am I freaking out over meat right now? See, they, they struggled with wanting their own way. And they wanted God to serve them rather than them serve God. That's tempting the Lord. And how do I know that? Well, I know that because Jesus was taken by the devil. Remember in the temptations? To the pinnacle of the temple, way up high. Some people say it might have been hundreds of feet to the ground. And the devil took him up there and he said, If you'll just jump down, everything will be all right. You can count on there being angels. They're going to sweep down and keep you from striking your foot against a stone. Does anybody know what Jesus said? It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. How was the devil tempting the Lord? He was tempting the devil to let go of his good sense. He, I mean, he was tempting Jesus to let go of good sense and just, oh, I'm going to jump off the temple. Jesus said, ain't no way. I got too much sense for that. And I, I love it that someone has recently said, we wear our masks and we're careful, we social distance because we don't want to tempt the Lord. What does that mean? Well, we could, we could just ignore it all and just say, well, God will take care of me. Well, hold on. Use your good sense. If you need a little more good sense, well, I just pray for it, okay? I don't know who to tell you to go to, but read, uh, study, ask me if you'd like to have some, 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 uh, some resources. I'll try to help out. But don't let your good sense be checked at the door. Don't check your brain at the door. But say, God gives me a good sense. I'm not talking about lacking faith at all. I'm just saying, let's follow his example to refuse to leap from the pinnacle of the temple foolishly. Does that all make sense? So... Oh, God, I, I, I'll serve you, Lord, if you will. Have, has any, have any of us ever thought about that? I will serve you, God, if you'll just get me out of this problem. If you'll just give me more money. Lord, if you will just help me pay this bill, I will serve you. You see how tempting that is? The Lord, you're tempting the Lord? It's basically putting him to the test and doing it mindlessly, not realizing that you have a responsibility. So, Lord, help us to escape self-serving Christianity. Hope that makes sense. And the last one, escaping discontent. Escaping discontent. I have a scripture that I want us to read for this one. Philippians 4.11. 
God, please help us to escape discontent. Lord, I, I want to try to remember all these. Lord, help me to escape sexual promiscuity. I want to escape lust and idolatry. I want to escape Christianity that is self-serving. Can you believe that? There are people who are actually Christians because it serves their interests. That's <laughs> not being a Christian. That's what we call name-only Christians. God, it's about serving you. So number five, escaping discontent. God, please help me to escape. See, the, Lord, the Lord's a way maker. But you've got to be willing to walk through the way. Here it is. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. Speak right up. Let's read it together. I have learned. Read it with your family. Read it right there in your home, wherever you're at. Read it aloud. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Help me wrap this message up by saying, God, I, I ask your forgiveness for lust, your forgiveness for, for going through these problems of sexual promiscuity, God. I ask your forgiveness, Lord, for, for, for the things, Lord Jesus, that I've tempted you in, Lord. And I, I, Lord God, I ask you to forgive me for idolatry, any idol in my life. I want you to forgive me. God, I need you to help me escape. And I will tell you something. God's going to come right to your help. He'll come right to your need. He'll come right to your situation. He'll step right in if you'll let him. I believe in right now, wherever you are, in whatever room you're in, or whatever vehicle, or whatever corridor, wherever you may be, you can say, God, help me. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, I'm so glad you asked, because I've got some help for you. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't want to let anything separate me from a relationship. And, of course, with my promised land. Call it yours. That's my heaven. i got to get there. Lord, that's my eternity. I've got to secure it. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for making a way right here, right now. In Jesus' name. Would you join me as we conclude here? We're going to wrap this service up online. But I want you to, wherever you are, let's not be too quick to sign off. Maybe you could just continue. Let it, let it continue to stream here. And I'd like for you to join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, there is nothing more urgent in this moment than that we grasp that the enemy of our soul wants to make it seem so complicated for us to be saved Lord so hard for us to make it to heaven so hard for us to go sweeping into the pearly gates God but we have heard today that you are a way maker and God you make a way that is completely unexpected Lord I thank you for the way that you made to you for your people Lord you did it in the wilderness and you're going to do it for us God I believe you're going to open up the way God I believe you're going to provide the manna from heaven Lord I believe you've already provided the water that flows from the rock Lord God you being the great source Lord I'm believing for you to let your spirit settle right now into the lives the hearts and the minds of those who are watching Lord we don't look at this just as a common broadcast this is Holy Ghost time set aside to focus on heaven 
Lord Jesus, we must be saved. Thank you for being our Savior. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Can hardly wait for our next opportunity to be together, friends and family. But for right now, let's conclude this service in the next few moments with some music playing and our prayer being lifted to the Lord. Perhaps you could take the time right now to kneel at your seat. Maybe you could get into a position right now of true petition before the Lord. Lean into this with me right now. Let's not let this message fall on deaf ears. Our God is a God who is a way maker. But He will only make a way if you'll walk through that way. God, in your name, help us to escape lust, promiscuity. Help us, I pray, to escape idols and escape self-serving Christianity and discontent. In Jesus' name, holding your hand, God. I'm so glad that you are making a way for people right now. I believe there is someone receiving the Holy Ghost watching this broadcast. Lord, I believe there's somebody listening and tuned in, Lord, and they've forgotten that it's even that it's even an electronic medium because, Lord Jesus, you are operating through this airwave. You're operating through this broadcast. This live stream, Lord Jesus, let it, I pray, light a fire in every heart and every home.